Dearest Mother, I write to you today from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The United States has lost the battle. The men from Trinidad and Tobago have come and bested us in every imaginable way. When we joined this team, we had no expectation for the heartbreak that would follow. We owe a debt to all those who came before us, to Caliguri, to Reyna, to McBride and Donovan. We've let those men down. An entire nation has been let down by this defeat. And mother, while we cannot return home, know this, there's nothing to do now. Pack up the flags, the jerseys, and the scarves, and steel ourselves for the battle that will come in 2022. Hey guys, so we obviously recorded this podcast when we were younger and more naive and happier when the U.S. had a chance to qualify for the World Cup, and sadly we didn't, and everything is terrible. Uh, so take this with a grain of salt, steal yourselves for depression and unhappiness, and also my audio in this podcast was really bad. I'm going to still put it out because Brad had a lot of great thoughts, but mine is really, really terrible. So please excuse me for that. I'm going to go to bed now. It's way too late. It's past my bedtime. Uh, and I'm I'm sorry that we have gone on this terrible and depressing journey together. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Hello from the Offside. Our podcast can finally link. Shots, 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 shots. I don't know how that song goes. <laughs> Clearly, I'm old as shit. Damn it. You've got half of this this week this, with uh, Colin here and Brad on the other, the other side. Hey, Brad. I just want everyone to know, like, irrelevant to soccer, but the West Coast hates the NFL. Like, my game options for today are to watch the 49ers versus the Colts, and then I get no late game. No late game at all <laughs> until... Until the Sunday night game. There's no, like, like maybe it. the one thirty game out here. They aren't showing it, so I can't watch Packers-Cowboys unless I find a bootleg stream, which I would never do, government. Wink. No one ever does that. Don't do that. Uh, so, we come to you on a international break, but it's not a break for us. I we took a couple of weeks off again. How you doing? Uh, but we'll, we're going to jump right in. And talk about the English League, uh, which is, you know, some games that we play. It's hard for me to care because Everton poop. Um, it's premiery. Let's uh, let's let's jump right into that. Brad, you've got some uh, Chelsea news and some for us. Yeah, I'll start uh, with Chelsea for Davis, and I will do him the honor and respect because he wrote out something and typed it to me to not do Davis voice. So, and it looks like he's sad in this. Um, so he says, okay, so freaking Conte is already voicing his displeasure. This really sucks. This is what the freaking heck is our board doing right now kind of situation, which I think we've kind of talked about, like he talked about early in the year, like Conte wanted to go out during the transfer window and get players. And the board was like, eh, I don't know. And so Chelsea didn't make a lot of moves 
and hardly made any splashes at all to make their team better while everyone around them got better. So I can understand his frustration. Thoughts? Yep. All right. Yeah, um, that's right. Like, I'm not really sure what the Chelsea boards think they're doing because they have a good manager. I know. And it's definitely one of those things, too, where it's like you're in London. Like, you've been good, like, better than all the other London teams for a while now. You can really, like, own London. Like, Chelsea, London can be fucking blue because Chelsea's, like, dominating London. Like, Arsenal's hot garbage. Yeah. But, like, by not doing anything, you're letting people just kind of, like, hang around. Like, can you imagine, like, I, you know, just with the way, like, sports work in America, when you're little, if a team's good, you're kind of like, oh, I like that team. They're good. I see them all the time. Yeah. Like, if Chelsea were to do that, there could be, like, a whole generation of little kids who just love Chelsea. I don't know if that's how it works in England, but fuck it, it is. I don't know. I'm, not a, Brit, I'm not a Brit boy. I'm definitely not a Brit boy. I hear Renee's a Brit boy. Um, it's not true. All right, so he says, I don't understand. He clearly is loved by the players, and the fans really like him a lot. Um, he's a really good tactical coach, which I agree with. I mean, last really? year they didn't have the best team, and they just out-tacticianed. He out-tacticianed every other coach, which is saying something when you look at the like tactical masterminds in the EPL. There's quite a few really good coaches, um, I would say, probably league with the best like all around managers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't yeah. I mean the only manager I think who's worth his salt is weirdly I think uh what's his name for real is really good, which surprised me. Uh, uh I can't uh, think of his name. Zidane. Zidane. Oh Zidane's Zlatan. Good lord. It's too early. Yeah it is kinda of early, but Zidane. Jeez. I'm like pleasantly surprised with how good of a manager he's been. Like, I expected nothing from him, and he, like, actually mixes up his tactics and does things, and I'm like, oh, oh, this is, this is nice. This is delightful. You know how to put your team in. What's that? They're rocking that 4-1-3-2 in in Madrid. I like it. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, It's giving the Ronaldo space to do Ronaldo things. Yeah. Um, so here's what he said. We had no business winning the title with that squad last season. Um, duh, Davis, I reminded you that every week. Like, I disagree. I disagree. Like, it was never City last year because Man U was still so... Oh, good. Man U was really bad. But Arsenal was good. Tottenham was really good. Like, let's not leave those two out. I know we all hate Tottenham, but they were pretty good last year. They're good this year. Um, so he says, much less winning 13 games in a row. The guy is everything, and for once, Chelsea are starting to have love from the media, which hasn't happened since Brad was born. I don't know about that. I'm pretty old. So uh, I think at one point, you know, when Didier was in his prime, there was probably some love for Chelsea. He's just Davis is being emo Davis. Uh, And he says, that's a long-ass time ago to emphasize that I'm old. So guess what? Colin's just as old, Davis, you dick. Prove it. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, And he's like, okay, now I'm going to get off my soapbox. I hope you pre-read this before reading all this because this is probably shitty radio. Whoops, I did not. Well. Uh, but here's the thing. He wrote that and then followed it up with more stuff, so I wouldn't have known that that little sentence was in there. Damn it, Davis. Okay, and he says, uh, Conte got a hamstring injury today with France, so I'm scared, but I really hope that Conte sticks uh, with the 3-5-2 uh, with Baikoko and Louise as the pivots and Fabregas. 
or even Hazard with uh, Bastui up top with Marata. Also, uh, Tammy Abram is going to be a very, very good player one day. He's our academy striker who's on loan with Swansea. Watch. He's going to. I promise it. Davis guarantee. So write that down in Brad predictions because he's probably going to end up at Vitesse. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, he might be the next Drogba. Ugh, so I'll hate him. Uh, but he might be a bit more like Torres when he was at Liverpool. So when Torres was decent. This sounds a little bit like Davis is uh, using what some people would call hyperbole. Yeah, he was also probably, you know, just really tired when he was writing this. Very sleepy. Yeah. Uh, His final thought, uh, this is skipping ahead a little bit, is give me MLS Detroit. Stop being dumb. Just give it to me. Uh, And then he made an inappropriate lewd comment that I'm not going to read. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, so that's Davis's thought on Chelsea. I think that uh, those are those are fair thoughts about Chelsea. I think you know you look at the table right now. Chelsea's sitting in fourth. They've played a lot better recently. They're only a point behind Arsenal or Tottenham. Yeah, and they're tied with Arsenal. Yeah. Um. So I think they're in a good place. I think they're definitely going to finish top four this year. Yeah, they will. Um. <clears throat> but I. I think the title race is between the two Manchesters. So it is. I agree. And with that, I'll segue. Do you want to talk about City first, since they're actually in first? Um, I, City's really good. I don't have much to say. That's. I mean, that's. Renee. You know what? Uh, I thought that they were going to be hampered by the Sergio Aguero injury, which, by the way, we should mention that that was freaking nuts. That's a tragedy. Yeah. So, if for anyone who doesn't know, which is like most of the people who listen to our podcast, because they're all friends who know shit about soccer. Love you, though. Um, so, Serge Aguero, Manchester City is, like, probably best player, right? Arguably. Or best uh, scorer. Yeah, definitely. Best scorer. Yeah. Uh, got injured in a freak accident. He was at a concert in the Netherlands. I don't think that's insane. He, he's the best striker in the Premier League. Like, sorry if you disagree, but he is. You going to do Lukaku like that? Love Lukaku, but he's the best. Aguero is the best. Yeah, well, Lukaku will be better because he's much younger. Sergio yeah. Aguero is yeah. old. Yep. He's an old boy. How old is he? Do you he's know? Like, he's like 25. 29. Yeah, so young. So young. Yeah, he's still pretty young. But uh, Lukaku is like 24. So. He's like 23. Yeah, exactly my point. Lukaku is definitely going to be better in the long run. Um, anyway, so he got injured. He went to a concert, was taking a cab home. The cab got into a car accident, and he broke his wrist, possibly ribs. I don't know if it was ever confirmed. but Yeah. So there was, like, an off chance they weren't going to do well, and then City did City things and just, like, went out the next day and, like, or two days later and absolutely crushed the team they played. Yep. Uh, so, or they didn't crush. They beat Chelsea one to nothing, which was huge. Dominant. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, City's good. City's really good. They're probably going to win the title. I don't want them to, but for Renee's uh, back, uh, Renee and uh, Jay and Brian and I went to watch City play Tottenham, and we kind of went left that game thinking, "Wow, City's really good." Like we know this is a warm up game, but City is very, 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 very good. And then we were right. So you know, yeah, we got that going for us. Yes, you do. And then to keep myself rolling and talking, I guess, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, United is 
also playing really well and looks pretty good. But to be fair, the last team they played was Crystal Palace, who's in last place, and has set a record. Uh, they have now gone seven games, lost every single game, and not scored a goal, which is a record. No team ever in the top flight of England has gone 0-7 without scoring a goal. Previously, record was 0-6, which was also held by them this year. So uh, Crystal Palace is going to get relegated. They're not good. So long, Crystal uh, Palace. You're named after uh, Glasshouse. And it, Crystal's overrated. Using so. Glasshouses shouldn't throw stones, and they're not because they're not scoring goals. Good talk. <laughs> Even <laughs> if they were throwing stones, they wouldn't hit anything. <laughs> Nailed it. I got it for you there. Good stuff. Uh, so I'm going to talk about my garbage uh, team in Liverpool, Everton. Uh, they're oh. playing really poorly because – I have like, one thing else, but okay. I don't care, Brad. I don't care because Everton sucks. They don't oh. have a striker at all, and that's the huge problem that everyone Wait. talks about when they put this great team together that had absolutely no number nine. They need a guy who can be – Wayne Rooney's trying real hard, but he's just so old now. That's the problem. Like, you can't – you have to have a dude who will get the ball with back toward goal and take two defenders. Someone who people are actually scared of. And they don't have that. They're they're kind of running this like false nine system, which works when you have, you know, Messi and a bunch of other dudes at Barcelona or Spain, but it doesn't work when you've got, you know, Dominique Calvert Lewin and Wayne Rooney and uh uh Richardson and whoever else. It's just kind of a disaster. Um, so now they're kind of heavily looking for number nine for next year. Uh, losing to Burnley 1-0 was pretty crappy. Uh, they can't score goals, and that's bad. That's, that's not how I you do well. I don't think it has anything to do with the manager. Like, he's, he's not been great, but what are you going to do? You know, I, mean, I guess run a 4-4-2 and have want someone be a false striker? It's, no, you need a just get a nine. Bring up uh, put a daggone center back in there. I don't care. I just want to point out for everyone who's unfamiliar, the four four two is like being a basic bitch and wearing Ugg boots and yoga pants with a vest and flannel and drinking a PSL in the fall. It's the no. most simple formation. Yoga pants is. That's fine. Those are fine. Yeah. I, I have no qualms with being basic. I'm just, for the people who don't know, it's like elementary managerial stuff. Everyone's like, oh, just run the four four two. It covers like all our weak spots. So, I mean, it's organized. It's very organized. Yeah, uh, it's simple. It's easy to manage. That's all I have on the EPL because I'm so sad. Yeah, I don't blame you. You guys are pretty close to getting relegated. Um, but what I was going to say get- is, United yeah, actually right. have their first real test in the EPL on Saturday. They play Liverpool. So. So for Liverpool's anyone who wants to watch a game, it's at 4.30 a.m. Pacific time, and I'm probably going to get up because I hate Liverpool. Gross. Uh, that sucks. But yeah. yeah, I don't understand. That should be like a marquee game, but whatever. I'll get up and watch. Um, and I want to point out that my prediction of Leicester City is very close to coming true. They might actually get relegated. Nice. Um, they're, they're currently in 17th place. Uh, Good, and they have a minus three goal differential, but every time that's minus eight. So, yeah, we do. That's Sorry, how you do it. Wanted to, that's wanted to put a little salt in the wound. 
Golf, the most, the, the more you're below zero, the better, right? Bingo. Yeah. Nailed it. Cool. Talk. Uh, so let's move on. I don't want to talk about the, the terrible EPL anymore. Where did my dog go? He's crashed. Oh, there he is. Um, so let's talk instead about uh, Happy the USA. USA, who are winners it's, because they're on average. Um, so U.S. beat Panama four to nothing on Friday in a dominant performance. After you know, great start, kind of a little bit of a shaky middle half of the first half, and then a dominant second half. Um, Brad, did you get to watch the game? I did, but unfortunately, West Coast time is the dumbest thing ever, and that game kicked off while people were still at work, which is was, the dumbest. Very early. We watched it at like six thirty here in, in uh, good old Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and. After it was over, it was like 8.30, and we headed out to uh, Milwaukee's finest establishment, the Broadhouse, to meet people for a birthday. And it was, we were like, oh, it's, you know, we're a little bit late. We looked at our watches, and it was 8.58 when we were getting to the Broadhouse. So, Perfect. Tell you yeah, old. So I ended up uh, late that night watching it while, uh, you know, everyone else in my apartment was asleep. So I watched it at like 10 o'clock at night. Any takeaways from the game? I guess first uh, first thoughts, quick takeaways. Okay, first thoughts. Christian Pulisic is good. Uh, he's Very really good. good. And we ran a formation that like let him run wild, uh, which like I don't know why it took us that long to figure that out. So that's a little embarrassing on our part. Uh, number two, while this was a big win, I think this game is kind of deceitful. And, like, people are going to be like, hey, we won 4 nothing. We're good again. Uh, we still got some major problems. In that what I noticed in this game was that there was just a lack of connectivity in our formation. Um, part of that was because we were kind of laying back a little bit and then countering, which you're not going to have good shape and form for that. But it just honestly, like, even when we were slowing down, it looked like our – like positioning was just like a smidge off and could be better and a little tighter to prevent like easy counters, which is how the Panama looked like they were going to score a couple goals is because our like placement and alignment was just a smidge off. So that's kind of worrisome because when we play better teams, they will take advantage of that. And uh, that's not good. I, so I do sort of disagree with that only because that's yeah, go for it. You and the U.S. went into this game saying we have to score goals, we have to win, and they put a lineup out there that had, it was essentially a four-one-three-two, where they had just Bradley sitting back, um, kind of hanging out with the center backs, and in theory you would have the uh, the fullbacks overlap, which they didn't need to, and didn't really happen much until the second half when we possessed more. Um, so when they did that, they they set up to do this and just attack, attack, attack. But then when they went up two goals very quickly, they had to flip that switch off because you don't need to attack anymore. And when you have to flip that switch off, I think that's kind of where that, that confusion comes in. You know, you saw Nagby, I think, trying to settle people quite a bit. But it's, it's very difficult to go from, like, you know, on your high horse to, to being like, okay, we've got this. We just have to close the game out. I think that's kind of where that comes from for me. But Yeah, no, I, I – I understand what you're saying. Like, it is because we were like, hey, we score goals, score goals. But, you know, it took them a while to settle in is what I'm saying. And, like, I, I 
forget who was commentating, might have been Twelming, said this game could easily be five to two. It could. And he was right. And I, I would prefer just us, you know, even if we're trying to score goals and play, you know, an up tempo creative style to be disciplined and uh and not I would rather have it just be five nothing. Like yeah. and I know that's obviously selfish and like unrealistic, so uh, but it, it just worries me going into the World Cup because we will be facing much better competition. We'll be and I'd like, I'd That's like kind of... yes, you know, yeah. actually not like park the bus. And I still think we would say, like, you, you know, we're not going to do a 4 1 3 2 when we've got to, you know, try to get one, a 1 1 draw or like a 1 0 win against England or something. I think we'll be more in, you know, that 4 2 3 1 with kind of a a big holding guy, maybe even a second forward or even a four four two. Argued it was a diamond four four two, but I think you'll get more kind of standard, you know, conservative more conservative formations if we have to beat a team that's worse than us. Or that's better than us. Yeah. Uh, I did this I mean this was a very front foot team. Like yeah, they put their foot on the gas and didn't really let down until after halftime when Bruce was kind of like, okay, guys, seriously. Like, and it was it was sort of a 4-3-3 as well. Um, when they defended, you could see Ariel and uh, Nagby really tucked in near um, yeah, Brad. Can we talk about how well Ariola played? Yeah, um, he's great. He's really good. I think that kind of got left out like in a lot of the analysis I saw, saw but like he was fantastic in that game. Right. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Pulisic was probably the best player, but, like, he probably wasn't far behind, like, in how well he played. I totally agree. So. And him, him, both uh, Ariel and Nagby did a lot of linking with Bradley, which I thought was interesting. Nagby, especially in the second half. Um, they I would think it's smart, so. but Yeah, they would come back and tuck in, and that's sort of the, the issue a lot of teams have, and I'll talk about it when I talk about the crew, but it's why the crew are doing well right now, is you, you get this giant gap between your – kind of defensive center midfielder who is going to be the guy who gets the ball a lot from the defense and your attack. And if you've got this huge gap with essentially no one there, that's where you get screwed because you're going to have a turnover. But Nagby and Ariola, mostly Nagby, but Ariola would alternate kind of occasionally, took turns sort of filling in that additional spot. And then when they come back, you let, you know, that defensive midfielder, Bradley can sort of push forward and establish a new spot closer up the field the center backs can push up the wings can push up as well um and that's sort of really like simple and not really talked about linking play is what's absolutely crucial in maintaining possession and kind of having a cohesive you know thread from the defense to the to the attack um and that was i think that was really there especially the second half um i Yedlin was also a big standout for me. Um, uh, clearly, he's irreplaceable in our team. He's, the two I mean, games we didn't have yeah. him, we look like shit. And when he's back, it's like, oh, yeah, he's really good. And our defense looks kind of stable now. His defense was just spectacular. He, nothing he's, really he's happened really good him. I've been high on him because, you know, he's from the Seattle Sounders, the best team ever in the MLS. And a lot of times he's, he's used his pace to sort of make up for his lack of defensive awareness. but. No, he Against definitely Panama, figured he that out. Right. Like he absolutely has, yeah, he totally has. I think he's finally, you know, because he's getting regular playing time with Newcastle. Yeah. He's had really good coaches. Like 
He looks like a quality wingback. He does. He's only 24 as well, which is great. Yeah. It, people like, always said, they're like, I don't think he'll ever be able to put it together. He's clearly put it together. Put it together. I mean, he's, he's a top tier right back in the EPL. Like, yeah. He's better than current right back situation with Seamus Coleman out. I would much rather have him at Everton. I think a lot of teams... I would be okay with him at United. Yeah, I think he's a top 10... He's better than Ashley Young. Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, Uh, I'm just saying, like, if my choice is Ashley Young or Yedlin, I will take Yedlin all day, please and thank you. He did great against uh, Liverpool in the Newcastle. I believe Newcastle drew 1-1. And that was kind of... A lot of people saw that and were worried about Panama. And he was kind of shitting up on it. Everyone's like, oh, okay. Like, Edmund's going to be fine. And he was. He was fine. He's really good. For the U.S., which is great. That means that. So you, you've kind of talked about your sort of negative. Any more negative? Because I think we've hit the positive as well. Uh, I mean, I just want to see the U.S. string together quality games again because we came off two pretty rough losses, obviously, and it would be good to just see them put together some quality wins. I know we had the long win streak, but I don't know how many of those wins were super quality, I guess. I mean, I'm not trying to knock it, but, you know, we had, like, the 13 match or whatever it was, unbeaten streak, and, I mean, a couple of those were pretty close calls. So I just want to see them continue to work together and keep it going and finish strong, qualify for the World Cup, have some decent friendly opponents, and uh, just, you know, kind of finalize the team headed into the World Cup. Definitely. Uh, I agree with that fully. I'm a little concerned with – I I don't know the best way to say this, but – we took out Pulisic in the 55th minute. I I'm, agree with the substitution. Like, I fully agree with it. They had to do that. He was getting killed. But that's a win. That's what Panama wanted. And it has nothing to do with Pulisic's, like, physicality. Like, no, he shouldn't. In total soccer system, especially, like, he shouldn't have to take this. That's not something you have to say, oh, toughen up. No, don't toughen up. Like, you can get kicked and punched and all this stuff. That's not normal. Um, can do that. If if I think what I'm gonna say, I I was the referee. I thought did a pretty decent job uh, in the match. But if teams are continually allowed to sort of abuse Pulisic like this, then take little chippy fouls all game. You got to put a stop to it. You do. You're totally taking a player out of the match because you want to protect them and not get them hurt. And I will say, I Panama. I, I don't. I don't think it was dirty. As weird as that sounds, um, I think it was. They were taking what the ref would give them, and like, I mean, I had a, <laughs> I had a soccer game last week that I played in where I, you know, got a guy in the leg a little too hard trying to get the ball. It wasn't in, on purpose, but it's, you know, I knew I wasn't going to hurt him when I went for the ball. Know, uh, I threw a check. Knew it was. Yeah, I knew it was going to be a foul, and it wasn't going to hurt him, but I did it anyway. But things like that, if you can get away with it, and as long as it's not dirty and dangerous, and I think athletes at that level can control their body enough to know when they're being dangerous, then it's fine. But it's up to a referee to kind of control that and say enough's enough. 
you know, that's a yellow card. If you do it again, you're going to get another yellow card and you're gone. And to start kind of yeah. getting first yellows for someone else who, you know, maybe they fouled Pulisic for their first time. You know, I think um, we see persistent infringement with yellows, but I, I would much rather see persistent infringement on a specific player. So, you know, if everybody fouls Pulisic once, that's 11 fouls, and that's a lot. Um, and it's also pretty impressive that the goalie got a foul in there. Yes, it is. Sorry. Uh, but I, I do think that, you know, and that's, I'm just kind of, it's CONCACAF, but I think uh, CONCACAF really has to fix that. And, and this is just a problem in not, not just specific to CONCACAF. You're right, you're right. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I, I agree. It's something that needs to be looked at because you shouldn't, you're right, you shouldn't have to take out a player to protect him. Uh, part of the ref's job is to protect players. So, and you're right, it wasn't necessarily dirty. I mean, like I said, yeah. tactical tactical fouls are a thing. Like yeah, some are. of those fouls were little little hits that look bad, but it's hey, we gotta stop this counter. We'd rather stop this counter with a cheap foul so our defense can get aligned and not give up a goal. That's and piece. that happens. I've definitely done that in soccer games. I've definitely I'm kind of a little dirty, but it's tactical, like a late slide tackle that hits someone in the shins and isn't going to break their leg and isn't uh, studs up. You get them with your calf essentially in their shins and they fall over you and they're like, well, I'm, I'm down. I'm not hurt. It didn't hurt at all. But, you know, that's a foul. And it's like, yep, it is. I had to. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yeah. Bad. You can definitely tell, like, when someone is really going for it. Like, yeah. As dumb as that sounds, like you can really tell when like someone's being dirty versus when it's like, hey, I had to do this foul because that this is what I have to do. Like, so I'm I'm good. Do you want to talk about Trinidad Tobago? Well, I, I do. I I did want to say that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Orlando was spectacular. Like, what an atmosphere! What a stadium! I like Orlando. Just hey, up on my list of like MLS stadiums I really want to visit. Uh, so I, I really hope we, I think Orlando deserves a qualifier every year. Like, I think, I know that's silly to say, but like, look at the, the Seattle qualifier against Panama. That was kind of, or was that Panama? That Seattle qualifier, that was kind of a disaster despite them being wild. Like, yeah, gotta go. I, I love Seattle, but it is not a place to hold a qualifier because of the turf. You're right. And Portland, the same way. Sucks to say, but... Yeah. Like, I honestly think you do KC, Columbus, uh, Orlando, right? Now. Um, well, KC's a beautiful stadium with a beautiful field. KC, Columbus, yeah, Orlando, and then one of Colorado. They get a lot of good fans. Too. Yeah. One of Colorado, Minnesota soon. Um, DC is going to have a stadium soon, too, uh, with grass. Like, I think that's what you do. You say, we don't care if it's 20,000. Like, we're not – you just get people and you get loud. And, uh, all right, let's talk about Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was just uh, going to say this is kind of like the, uh, the, the question of do we want a stadium with lots of fans or do we want a tiny stadium with passionate fans? And in my opinion, I'd rather have the tiny stadium with passionate fans. And in, like, unrelated stadium news, like, I wish that, like, the Chargers – fans would actually show up to their games because I'd love to see a 40,000 seat NFL stadium rather than a huge monstrosity stadium where you like, why do we need 70,000 people stadiums? Like it's ridiculous. 
do a forty thousand and make it exclusive, and then people want to go. You know. Anyway, unrelated. Sorry, tangent yeah. over. Let's Trinidad move on. Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, so we played the Soccer Warriors on uh, Tuesday. Um, a later match. Later match. I think it's about six year time. Thank God. Five year time. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, I haven't looked at it. So if the U.S. wins or draws, they're they're more or less in. If they draw, that'll take them to thirteen points. Currently, Panama has ten. Um, Panama would have to make up six gold a six goal differential if they draw. Um, Costa Rica having qualified. Honduras uh, also has 10 points, so they, they could get in with a win. I believe Honduras plays Mexico. They, yeah, I was like, I think Honduras plays Mexico. So, Which Mexico has nothing to play for. So they brought a full-strength team. They, they don't have any crappy guys on that team. So huh? Good for that. There's no one. Yeah. Bad. Um, so Honduras has a negative seven goal differential. So they've got to make up. Well, if they win, if they draw, hold on. If we draw, Honduras has to make a 12-goal differential, which is impossible. Um, and Panama has to make up a 7-goal differential, which is also impossible. Unless there's some match fixing. Um, match fixing. Who If we lose, we need both Panama to draw or lose. So... As long as Panama and Honduras both lose to Costa Rica and Mexico or draw, we're fine. I don't really want to have that happen, though. I'd rather just win and have yeah. it taken care of. If we, we win, we're in. We get third. So just win. If both Panama and Honduras win and we lose, then we are out of the World Cup. Yeah. So that's a disaster. I mean, um, again, I'm going to Al Davis this. Just win, baby. Yeah, so we, we need points. We need three points. Um, good news is Trinidad-Tobago is not good. They only have one win, and that's it. One win and eight losses. Negative 13 goal differential. They've only scored five goals. That's not many goals. Um, I said it before the Panama game. To, I don't know if I told I said it to you guys in our chat, but if, you can, if the U.S. can score two goals against Panama... I said, if we scored one, we'll get a draw. If we can score two, we're going to win. Uh, and we yeah. scored two and we won. I, I'm, I'm in the same boat with Trinidad. If we can get one, we will win, Or we'll draw at least. If we can get two, we're going to win. Uh, especially the fact that they've given up 18 goals and sort of suggests to me that we will uh, be able to get that goal we need to secure that point. Um, so what do you do in this match? What, what Do you go out... Uh, you know, start Pulisic and go guns blazing, or do you, you know, rest the the young hope you help later? Uh, you have to go out guns blazing. Like a win guarantees you're in third, and you don't have to do the playoff. Yep. So you win this game. You go all out to win. You get up three nothing, and then you pull who you want to pull. Like so, yes. Trinidad is decent uh, on the ball. Their defense is terrible, but they're decent. They're decent on the ball. So do you do you run the same formation we had against Panama and just say, you know what, this worked. We're going to do it again, or do you maybe go three at the back and say we're going even more aggressive with possession? Um, I, I do think you have to have that those two strikers up top, especially with both healthy and neither on a yellow card. You go with uh, Wood and Josie again because that's a really good partnership. 
Uh, yeah, I was going to say you want to keep that partnership going because I think that's your best partnership in the World Cup. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, uh, personally, I I want that to keep going. I like what they they both they contrast each other well enough and are getting more familiar with each other that it can become a really dangerous pairing. Yeah. And then if need be, I know that everyone hates him except for me, but Dempsey off the bench has been great. So See, well, uh, there's yeah. always that. He wasn't great against Panama, but he didn't really need to be. They were just no. He didn't involved. have to do a lot. Like that was kind of the thing. I mean, yeah. he was there just to take someone off, kind of. The only know. thing I would think about is maybe not starting because um, if you get in a situation, the only thing, and Ariola works really hard the whole game, and his pace is going to be effective the whole game. But if you get in a situation where you're kind of like, holy crap, don't know what to do, then you can throw in Ariola and be that guy that's just going to run really, really fast for 20 minutes. Um, I still think, I think you go with the same lineup. And you're like, hey, this worked against Panama. We, we want to take it to uh, Trinidad. So get out there. Like, go do your thing. Yeah. I think uh, it, this isn't a knock on Trinidad. Uh, they've been pretty, pretty decent. Uh, like, I think they surprise a lot of people to make it to the Hex. Yeah. Um, and they have played, like, despite everything, they have played really well. I think a lot of their games, they've given up late goals. They've just gotten tired from defending. So I yeah, don't want to know. A lot of goals. Shouldn't be a win. A lot of goals. 18 is a lot of goals in uh, how many matches? Nine matches? That's yeah. a lot of goals. I mean, that's two goals a game, though. It is, but, yeah, I was going to go check out there. So I know that we're playing at a strange stadium. Um, I'm not sure why. We're not in the National Stadium. Um, We're in a small town called Kuvo with a 10,000 stadium. Yeah. Actually, it looks like a nice stadium. Hopefully, the pitch is decent. Um, I believe it is. So, we will see. Um, but, yeah, I think they've got to go for it and say we need three points. We need goals. You know, don't worry about giving up goals. If We, we just have to score goals. If we score, we'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, it's as simple as that. And I, I, I think we can do that. I think people are going to get nervous. I don't know if we're going to score right away like we did yeah, in I'm, our last game. Like, uh, that was kind of – I mean, it was a beautiful first touch from Pulisic. Like, the absolute perfect first touch. And playing yeah. it around the keeper was perfect. Everything on his goal was perfect. I don't think you can count on that. I think people need to understand that, like, we might not score until, like, the 30th minute or so. Um, yeah, Trinidad's going to... Well, Tobago's got a pretty decent defense, so... I don't know. They're totally out of it, though. That's why I'm kind of confused. Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to go young? Or are they going to say, you know what, our job is to spoil this for the U.S.? Which is fair. We We do have that crazy U.S. goal to get us in the, like, 94 World Cup against Trinidad. That was sort of a, the Caligari goal. Um, so maybe that's this is their revenge for that. I don't know. You know, it's – I don't know. I just hope the U.S. is ready for it and doesn't play like Panama did. Panama was winning their in against the U.S. and came out flat. I hope we don't do the same thing against Trinidad. Yeah. So let's talk really briefly about Comdeval qualifying, which is not going well for some people. Uh, currently, LOL Argentina. Brazil is in, uh, and that's it. 
Brazil's a lock. I think Brazil? Chile's a lock probably too, well, aren't they in second? Or you know, Uruguay's in second. Yeah, Uruguay Brazil's already clinched. They're in first with thirty eight points, ten points more than anyone else. Um man, they play a lot of matches in their qualifying. Uh right. We so Brazil's in first. Uruguay is in second with twenty eight points. Third is Chile with twenty six. Colombia is fourth with twenty six. Peru fifth twenty five. Argentina sixth at twenty five, and then Paraguay at twenty four. So it's essentially those seven teams fighting for five spots. The fifth spot being the spot that goes to the playoff against uh, New Zealand. Um, interestingly, the most interesting spot is Argentina in sixth out of the World Cup right now. Yeah, that is ridiculous. They have like a 40-some percent chance of qualifying. They need so many things to go right for them to qualify. And it's absurd to think that there may be a World Cup without arguably the best player in the world. I don't I know. Used, I used quotes. No one saw that. So I don't know what the tiebreaker is for Argentina. Uh, it's goals. So it's goals. They're tied with goals with Peru. So do you know who they play in their last match? They play, I believe, Ecuador, I think. Um, and it's not a good match for, uh, I was reading about, it. it's a really bad yeah, match sure. for Argentina because they're so used to playing at sea level or close to sea level and they're going to one of these Central oh, American countries so. in the Andes. Yeah, that's so. going to be really high up there. Um, that's uh, not good. And they've got a they've got a win or get a draw and hope Peru loses. I think is what it seems like. Uh, uh, sorry, and that's just to get into the playoff. Um, which I mean, it's New Zealand's fine, but not good. Yeah, enough. Uh, they're playing. They're away at Ecuador, which is being played at Quito, which is two thousand eight hundred meters above sea level. That's that's more than a mile. <laughs> that's yeah, like and. Feet. Uh, Fun fact, Argentina does not play well there. No. And Peru play Colombia, who also need to win. So that's that's good for Argentina. Um, Peru's definitely going to play for a draw in that match. Uh, Colombia's going to try to win. Um, even though I think Colombia... Colombia has to win, because if Argentina win and Peru and Colombia draw, that shoots Argentina above Colombia. So I, I guess Peru has to play for a win, too. Um, which helps, I guess. That yeah, everyone's playing for a win. It helps and hurts them, I feel like. Agreed, yeah, totally agreed. Um, I, I really like Messi. I think he's probably my favorite player ever, but I wouldn't mind seeing Argentina miss the World Cup in uh, what is a very difficult region to qualify in, sort of with those. Uh, it's probably the hardest. Five spots, yeah, only five spots. I mean, I understand there are only ten teams, but you know, none of these teams is terrible. Venezuela's fine. Ecuador's fine. Ecuador is very fine. Um, they've been in the World Cup recently, so yeah. No, the teams that are qualifying are good teams uh, by far. Like I, I don't. I, I mean, it would suck to not see Messi at the World Cup, but at the same time, the teams that are qualifying right now are all good teams. None of them don't deserve. I think the one team that surprises me is how well Uruguay is doing. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're solid. They've got a really good young. Group. They're good. It's just, you know, they kind of tumbled off in the Brazil yeah. Cup, so it was, they were playing some of their older players, and it was like, oh, Uruguay might be out of this for a while, you know, but they do have young talent, so they're kind of 
could be a fun team to watch in the World Cup. That's for sure. So, all right. So let's uh, now let's move all the way up stateside. Talk about LS. Playoffs are coming. Uh, we have two matches left. Everyone has two matches left. Um, this weekend, pretty crazy in Houston, who will probably play today. Uh, I assume. Um, so the decision day is a thing that's still happening. That's the last day of the season. Uh, and then next week. So a lot of teams are fighting for seeds. Uh, Houston and KC play Wednesday. Weird. Um, so I'm going to do a quick rundown of the playoff standings at the moment. Um, start, start with the East. The East, we've got Toronto clinched first. New York City FC in second with 56. Atlanta in third with 53. Chicago fourth, 52. Columbus fifth with 50. New York Red Bulls in sixth with 46. And that is sort of kind of the way it's going to end up. Uh, I believe New York has clinched their spot um, and need two wins to take to overtake Columbus for fifth. Uh, I think everyone's clinched, if I'm, if I'm reading that correctly. So six points from 39 would be 40. So, yeah, everyone in the East is clinched. It's those six. Uh, now the battle is for two through six. I believe Columbus could get as high as second with a bunch of goals uh, and two New York losses. But realistically, Columbus can get third uh, if they can get six points and Atlanta or Chicago drop a point on either match. Um, which isn't unrealistic. Chicago as well could get third. So any team from second through five could get third. and That's probably about how it is. Uh, that's confusing. Um, the Western Conference, we, we have Vancouver in first with 51 points. Sporting KC in second with 48. They play today. Portland in third with 47. Seattle in fourth with 47. Uh Oh, I forgot the first uh, tiebreakers wins. It's not goal differential yeah. in MLS. That's stupid. That's really stupid. So, yep. Columbus has an even easier time getting ahead of New York City FC if they get two wins and New York drops a point. Um, weird. That is, I forget. That's so dumb. Honestly, uh, though, um, with Columbus, uh, so you would need. Are you talking about New York City FC? Yeah. Oh, well, you would need a lot because, I mean, did, I don't think Atlanta probably has a better chance to get the second. Well, we need two wins and then New York City to lose two games. Yeah. And if that's what happens, we win. We're in second. And, uh, and right now, no one where else you does. want to be is fourth. Yes, we want like fourth, to fourth is Fourth is a great place because then you host Chicago. Yes, you're correct. We want to avoid Atlanta. Columbus. Yeah, wants exactly. To avoid so you don't want to be sixth. <laughs> yeah. You want to avoid Atlanta for as long as possible. Frankly, I think my MLS standings are in the East. It's Toronto in first, Atlanta in second, and everyone else in a jostling for third. Yeah, very, very well right now. Um, I'm not worried about Chicago. They're old and they're going to be tired in the playoffs. Like, yeah, they're falling bring it on. Uh, they're, I, everyone knew this would happen. Schweinsteiger is like feeling the burn of a U.S. season. Um, but I do want – I want to avoid Atlanta until MLS 
uh, Eastern Conference Finals if you can. Hopefully they'll be up by then. Um, it's just, it's a bad matchup for Columbus. So, you know, getting getting that spot where you are, um, you know, if Atlanta stays third, that's fine. If Atlanta goes to second, I'd rather Atlanta stay third because that way if Columbus gets fourth, they host Atlanta and then they do Toronto. It would suck to go to Toronto for a match, but at least they uh, will avoid Atlanta. And just so we're clear for everyone, Sporting Kansas City does not play today. They play Houston on Wednesday. That'll be their their 32nd game. Yep. Um, so back so now in the West, Vancouver first with 40, 51 points. Uh, Sporting KC second with 48 points. Couldn't have 51 this week if they win. Portland in third with 47. Seattle in third with fourth with 47. One win separates them. Houston in fifth with 43. Dallas in six with 43. And then you have Real Salt Lake and San Jose both behind with 42 points, the exact same record. But holy crap, this goal differential is ridiculous. So Real Salt Lake and uh, San Jose both are 12, 6, and 14. Um, yeah. Real Salt Lake's goal differential is minus six. That sucks. San Jose's goal differential is minus 22. Yeah. It's pretty it's unreal. In the entire league, if I'm correct. Nope. No, uh, Minnesota has the worst goal differential, right? Nope. Sure don't. Oh, not anymore. Congrats, Minnesota. Minnesota's, yeah, not even, like, they're, like, fourth worst. So, oh, but DC United. Wow. Negative 22 goal differential and can make the playoffs. That's a disaster. Sorry, MLS. That's a disaster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it looks like so one through four are pretty much decided. Uh, pretty. And then yeah. five through five and six are kind of the playoff spots up for grabs. Houston winning would probably kind of set them up well. Um, and Dallas is looking better as well. So Houston obviously plays on Wednesday. We know. So if they win, that puts them up forty-six points. So here's the crazy thing. Ready for this? So Houston plays yeah. Sporting on Wednesday, and then on that following Sunday, they play Sporting again. I think they, they had a match canceled. Or, yeah, uh, because of hurricane. the cup or something. Yeah. So oh, was it hurricane? Yep. Yeah, they they can't match. Yeah, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was KC, but I think it was. So they play. I'm guessing. So they play Kansas City back to back games in a four day period. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and then their final game of the season is against, let's see, Chicago. So, that's Houston's remaining schedule. That was, it was Sporting KC that was uh, postponed due to Hurricane Rita. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty crazy. If they win both those games against Sporting Kansas City, that puts them ahead of Sporting Kansas City in the standings. That's, That's a great, and that's a good, uh, that's a good motivator. Do that. Are they both at home or just one at home? I think just one is home and one is away. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, the free. Yeah. So Wednesday oh, is a home game for Houston, I believe, and then uh, Sunday, the following Sunday, is at Kansas City. So even if they split, that's well, yeah. They need. They both need. Points. So I'm assuming uh, Kansas City doesn't really need points. I'm assuming if Kansas City gets points at Houston, they will rest at home. Um, 
but they won't. So they sh- it should be noted they won't have either they won't have Bessler or Failhaber on Wednesday, even though Failhaber could. Um, Bessler, I'm imagining, will play Tuesday, so he probably won't play Wednesday. But Sunday, they'll have a full strength squad, so that might change things. They may they may rest people on Tuesday and say, you know what, screw it, we can get points, and then we'll go for it on Wednesday. Yeah. On um, otherwise, there's kind of a, a tough battle in the bottom half of that uh, conference. Uh, five through, yeah, five through eight. Um, I really think San Jose is going to get there because of how crappy they are. But I don't know. You know, it'd be interesting. They to have see. a pretty easy schedule, um, if I remember correctly. So San Jose's first game, oh, is against Vancouver at Vancouver. And then, yeah, Vancouver needs three points. So I think they'll probably win that. And then Minnesota United at home. Yeah. Uh, so, Interesting. It's doable. They could do it because I think Dallas has a harder schedule. Dallas plays Seattle um, at Seattle. Seattle and probably wants. Seattle wants needs to win out because uh, they have a chance to... to get second. So yeah, they play. They have two home games against Dallas and Colorado, and both of those are winnable games. So the first and second seeds get a bye, correct? Yes. And three through six. You play essentially a three plays six and four plays five in a one game scenario. So top seed hosts the game. So um, so right now Seattle's in a good place in fourth at least. If they have a wild card game, they're hosting it. Um, yeah, exactly. But I'd rather see them in second. Yeah, you want to in my opinion. Um, in in this in the West, you know, I don't really know who who you want to avoid. I don't think anyone's really hot right now. The West. Frankly, is weak this year. Um, it definitely I is any- uh, not as good. We've talked about this. It's probably not as good as the East, but um, teams you has probably 50- want to avoid are Sporting is pretty good, and Houston. I think Houston's the dark horse, so I would like to avoid them. Houston started well, kind of tapered off, and then now they're playing well again, so I think that's a good point. You want to avoid Houston. So... Yeah. That kind of runs down the MLS table, some playoff scenarios. Um, I honestly, uh, I think Dallas holds on to the sixth spot, but I would not be surprised if Real snuck in. I wouldn't either. Of, um, they play Colorado at Colorado, and then yeah. I think they host their final game, which, uh, yeah, against Sporting Kansas City, which, it, as everyone knows, it's really hard to win at Real Salt Lake. So. In the, in the East, Columbus has uh, Orlando and New York. Um, both away, which definitely sucks. It's very hard to get points on the road in MLS. But uh, I think Columbus will play for, um, hopefully go to un- extend their seven-game unbeaten streak, which is kind of crazy. Um, I would assume we, we get three points from those two games, and that's it. Oh, uh, I just got a text from or- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think Orlando, we've got a – Columbus, I shouldn't say we – has a decent chance to beat Orlando – um, they just they, they they match up very well against them in my opinion, and then New York City maybe we've I've only seen New York City early in the season, so I'm not really sure. Uh. Yeah, I mean you could do it. I don't. I think NYCFC does not like they don't have not played necessarily well at home, so it could be done. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, <sighs> 
just so we're clear, Renee yeah. sent me a text and wanted to remind everyone that LA is currently in the dumpster fire galaxy. So uh, they're Here's... they're not good. They're not good. Yeah, they're real bad. Oof. Renee well, didn't actually that... text me. I just wanted to talk about his team being really shitty because it makes me happy. Because <laughs> they've been think... good forever. I think that kind of wraps up our uh, MLS we... talk in my. Do we want to talk uh, about expansion you... real quick? Oh, I would love to talk about expansion real quick. Yes, go I ahead. I want to leave that off the table for Davis. Uh, so what? Uh, so there's like a couple cities that are in contention for an MLS expansion team. It looks like they're going to do what? Two? Two new teams? So overall, I mean, we've talked about this before. Overall, there's about five spots. Yeah. Uh, so, the five spots include Miami, who, what, I'm still thinking there's a bit of an odd thing with Miami where something could happen where it just won't, a land deal won't happen, so MLS will either say, hey, Beckham, you don't get a team, or, hey, you just get a random team elsewhere that we already have that's happening, you're in this ownership group, now congrats, like, good for you. That's um, probably the more likely thing because I feel like if he doesn't get a team, he's going to sue the shit out of him. <laughs> he has a weird contract. Yep. But wow, my dog is just laying on the rug asleep. Um, Clad? Clad? He so so that's now my awake. essentially this floating Miami team. Um, they're not a part of the two team announcement that's supposed to come in December. Uh, the the sort of favorites as we've run them down before are Nashville, Detroit. Da- Dallas, no. Nashville. Cincy, Sacramento. Um, I think that's kind of it right now for those two spots. Uh, Did you have Phoenix in there? Phoenix, that, for those two. I, I am absolutely in team. Phoenix needs an MLS team. The weather sucks, so you're going to have to have a, a retractable roof stadium, but it works for their football team pretty fine. They're totally fine playing and football. And their baseball team. Yeah, but the baseball team doesn't have grass. The football team does. And their hockey team. The football team doesn't have grass, so you've got to get a, a grass situation there. But um, so this would go to oh, yeah, go, go for it. I was gonna say, no. what about Austin? No, Austin's not getting a team. <laughs> no, yeah. even there's lots of hipsters there. Right now, uh, maybe in this, maybe it depends what happens after the second two, after the first two are announced. Like, drops out, who pushes further? Um, you know, but I don't think. I'll Texas is really moving. Um, so this week there was some big expansion news with Nashville uh, kind of being accidentally tweet leaked that they were getting a team and then the reporter retracted it, um, which all comes after Nashville announced officially announced a land and stadium deal with the city. So Nashville will be will get a stadium if MLS comes. It's a lock. It's done. The stadium. So Nashville's getting a team. So that's what makes me think that Nashville's getting a team. Um, and I, I've talked about this with you before. I don't know if I've talked about it on here, but I am a proponent of the sort of, not a proponent, but my school of thought with MLS owners is that they really don't want to do this. Uh, Minnesota United, uh, Portland, even Seattle in the past system of saying, oh, well, you guys have this great, Orlando too. Oh, you, you brought these great fans for, for this for a couple of years and you've earned it. So we're going to promote you when you essentially make the team, the brand instead of MLS. Um, look at Orlando this year, 
the fans want a good product, and when Orlando's not putting out a good product, they're not going to games, uh, as they shouldn't. That's that's fine. Um, but or- attendance is struggling at Orlando because they're not going to games, even in their first year in a new stadium. But Atlanta has set multiple attendance records with very little history outside the Silverbacks of soccer there. So that suggests to me that MLS says, look, we've got Atlanta. We don't need this. Minnesota's doing fine, but they're kind of struggling this year when they've had this great young team or uh, support team. Um, that makes me think Nashville is kind of a a lock, especially with this deal and with the Wilfs from Minnesota moving down there. I think MLS was like, hey, go join this group. You're getting a team. Um, what do you yeah. think about that with Nashville? I would be okay with Nashville getting a team. Oh, yeah. It's kind of an untapped area of the United States right there. So, um, Who's your secondary team? So, you think- so the big issue is if you give a team to Nashville, Sacramento's thought they had a team for years now. Um, if you give a team to Nashville, does that mean Sacramento's the other team? Because they've got everything ready. Does that mean Cincinnati, who has been you know, doing great with fans for two years, uh, deserve, I don't want to say deserve because no one deserves a team. That's not how that works. Um, does that say Cincinnati's going to get a team? Or Detroit, who has a billionaire owner, Dan Gilbert, owner of the Cavs, Detroit native, spending tons of money in Detroit to revitalize it. And the second largest untapped market in MLS, or maybe third in the in the country that MLS isn't in. You've got Phoenix, got be, yeah. Phoenix and Detroit are kind of the three big markets that MLS is missing at the moment. Um, that's why I think, you know, this land deal was announced with Detroit earlier this week. I think Detroit will jump into that second spot. Uh, sorry, Sacramento. Sorry, Lindsay. Uh, I know Sacramento's kind of struggling with attendance this year, which is, you know, not worth not mentioning, but... It's kind of having, It is. Having fans show up for two years doesn't mean a lot. And I, I know the Cincy people struggle. don't like to hear that, but it's, you know, you're going to a party. You're not going to watch soccer. And I know that's not what anyone wants to hear, but that's the truth. MLS is MLS. People in Atlanta go to watch a good soccer team, and they see a good soccer team. Um, and I think that's sort of why I am team... Uh, Detroit and Nashville, and then maybe Cincy or Sacramento in the second round. But I honestly think like MLS is using Cincy and Sacramento as fallbacks. They're saying if no other team gets it together and we decide we have to have 28 teams or whatever, then okay, we'll go with Cincinnati or Sacramento. But really, MLS wants Charlotte to get it together. They want Raleigh to get it together. They want uh, Phoenix to get it together. I think that's why I think Phoenix. We'll get a team, and then maybe even San Diego, but not. I just I don't see it happening for Sacramento or Cincinnati. They don't bring enough to the table besides fans. They don't bring market so, share. They don't bring TV. They're not going to help. Yeah, they're not going to help MLS get a TV deal that's better than the current one. And that's that's what I think the big key is: is that MLS is about to negotiate a new TV deal in a couple years. Um, I know they just got one, but they're going to have another one coming up soon because this one's short. And they've got to have the most eyes they can to get that new TV deal. Um, and Cincinnati and Sacramento don't do that at all. 
I will say that Sacramento is currently building a new stadium. Well, that's kind of contingent on MLS. No, they've already started the stadium. Yeah, I mean, I mean, cool. You know what? There could be a, a nice USL stadium. I, I think that might be yeah, what it's happens. Going to be a super nice stadium in a really good area of Sacramento. Unrelated, but just so if we're talking, you know, like that's one of the big requirements they're looking at. Um, so the stadium is a twenty thousand seat stadium. Uh, yeah, it's going to be. I don't nice. think. That's put- bucks in the pockets of MLS owners though having a nice stadium in Sacramento where people go to watch the games no I'm just you know that's one of the criteria is you know to have a stadium ready and I mean that's what Minnesota was supposed to have a stadium ready this year weren't they yeah they were. they're building they'll be I think they're going to be halfway through next year um he's, he's really going to uh but that's not saying Sacramento should get a team by any means, just pointing out like, hey, you know, they are taking the steps. Um, I know Detroit has announced that they're trying to build a stadium, right? Yeah, and they'll get it. They'll get a stadium built if they get them a loss. That'll yeah. happen. So. Yeah. Uh, any more thoughts from you about expansion? I know I just talked a lot. No, you're fine. You're kind of more of an expert on it. Um I don't really care who it is, to be honest. So as long as it's one in the East, one in the West, so it balances things out. That's all that really matters, you know? I mean, I I very greedily don't want, um, and a little bit petty, don't want Cincinnati just because I'm I'm worried about how that will screw with uh, Columbus's homegrown area with their, you know, Fan base. Um, I Won't think- Detroit mess you guys up too? As far as homegrown, but it's the, Ohio, the only place Ohio and, and Michigan fandom kind of bleed over is in uh, Toledo. Toledo. That's about it. Um, but with homegrown, yeah, we do. Columbus does have a relationship with the Michigan Wolves. They just announced a relationship this year with Pittsburgh, um, with the Pittsburgh River Hounds Academy, which is big. Yeah. Um, is it? I think getting Sorry. into Pennsylvania for Columbus, I mean, Pittsburgh being two and a half to four hours, I don't I haven't driven that in forever from Columbus. I think that's kind of where you've got to go. You've got the yellow and black thing going on, you know, aim for that. Try to get bigger in Western PA. Maybe put a, man, it'd be great if there was like a, a Pittsburgh crew academy. It'd be cool. It would be um, pretty awesome. Columbus ever did get a USL team, which I think does have to happen. They put them in Pittsburgh. Have have Columbus too be in Pittsburgh. They could be, you know, Pittsburgh. Even the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Buy them. Make them the. Leave them the Riverhounds. Make them the Pittsburgh River Crew. The Crew Boys. The the Pittsburgh like the Crew Boys. Please stop. I don't know. Go to bed, Colin. It's, it's yeah. It's bedtime. Um. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. Um, yeah, I mean, you do kind of want to protect your homegrown area. And I just, yeah, Pittsburgh seems like a good place. And I mean, I'm a little surprised Philadelphia hasn't, like, why don't they have a... Because Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, I mean, I know they're kind of opposite sides of Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania is not necessarily a small state by any means. Um, but it's got to be closer than Columbus, right? Cool. Philly, it's a fun Philly, Pittsburgh, across the state. Um, Is it? Yeah. 
It's 304 miles. It's four and a half hours. Settle down. 304 miles. And it's only 180 miles from Columbus to Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's much closer, yeah. I'm looking at it. I forget how central Columbus is. So what's the very different mountain that kind of creates this natural separation. Um, yep. Um, yeah. The old Allegheny Mountains or the Poconos, whatever the heck they're called, the Apps. I think it's the Alleg- Allegheny, isn't it? Appalachian Mountain region. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of all I've got with uh, expansion and with um, with the whole. Yeah, I, I got nothing more for expansion. It's just a topic that we should continue to cover as it is pretty important. Yep. Um, the, and it's going to shape a lot. And like I said, I am uh, really for uh, doing an East-West should be should be important that way, you know, conferences balance out. Although LAFC is coming into play here pretty shortly, aren't they? With the goal being 28, I think when you get 28 and you have 14 and 14, you That's do size, yeah. two games against each team to get you to 28 games. Or No, that doesn't work. Two games in each team in your conference to get you to 26 games. 26 games, and then you have... That's how math works. You do one game against each of those. And then you have a floating, um, you either stop at 30 and say, cool, we're going to have bigger playoffs, or you go, you say we need 34 or 38 games, and you make up eight games elsewhere. Should be interesting. Yep. All right. Well, this has been a great episode. Our 21st episode, our podcast can drink. This was a long one today, too. That's good. Uh, We will be back soon, hopefully with all four of us, maybe with two, maybe with three. Never with one. yeah, we're not but, doing that to anyone. That'd be rude and fucked up. It'd be just me talking. That's my usual life. Um, all right, this has been Hello from the Offsides. Enjoy your day. Happy happy day, happy week. Good, good talk. Go USA on Tuesday. Yep. Bye. God bless. Goodbye. Sides.